Does anybody wear contacts? How many people wear contacts? Anybody wear contacts? Yeah. I've been wearing contacts since I was in the ninth grade. We were on the way back from a, a ski trip, and uh, we were playing that game, the alphabet game, and there was a Fuddruckers sign, like a big, huge, gigantic F, and my next letter was, was F, and I couldn't see the sign. So I got home, I was like, hey, Mom, something's wrong with my sight. So I've been wearing contacts, uh, you know, for 30 years or whatever it is now, maybe more. And to affirm Lindsay, I keep these in my pocket every Sunday. One Sunday, I'm going to pull them out. Not this Sunday, though. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to be a little stubborn. Uh, the story's told of a son that was out shooting hoops in the yard, and his contact fell out. Well, it wasn't just any contact. It was a special kind of contact. And so he feverishly begins looking all over the place. Can't find it, looks everywhere. He's just going nuts. So he finally goes in, tells his mom, Mom, I'm so sorry. I I I lost my contact. It fell. I can't find it anywhere. So his mom goes out. She's out there for like, I don't know, 37 seconds. And she comes back in. She's holding the contact. And he goes, how in the world did you find that? I looked everywhere. She said, well, son, there's a difference. See, you were looking for a contact. I was looking for $75. (laughs) Motivation. What what motivates you? Because motivation is important. Does money motivate you? Does family motivate you? Do friends motivate you? Do sports motivate you? Does work, does school, does your reputation motivate? What, what motivates you, and why does motivation matter so much? Well, we finished up our, our holiday series that we are calling You Are Invited, and what we've been doing is looking at the ultimate Christmas invitation. It's an invitation that's full of motivation, and what kind of motivation? Well, the motivation that we find in this invitation is the kind of motivation that will bring you deep and unending joy beyond Christmas. In fact, it's the kind of motivation that will bring you deep and unending joy beyond New Year's Day. See, it's the kind of motivation that can be celebrated every single day. Not not just on a holiday, but every single day. It's the kind of motivation that you can celebrate every second of every minute of every day of your life, and it never wanes in its power and its authority. Now, what kind of invitation has that kind of motivation for us to have this celebration without any hesitation and no limitation on the jubilation? Like them shuns? Yeah. What kind of motivation is this? What is this invitation? Well, let's find out. Our message today is come be happy. We're going to be looking in Isaiah 55, and we're going to begin with verse 12. This is an invitation from the one true, most high, sovereign God. And this is what he said, and this is what he is saying to me and saying to you right now. For you will go out with joy the word for joy here in the original language it means complete complete joy a joy that that overwhelms our heart and our mind and our soul a a joy that that can't be explained now historically speaking some would say well when we look at Isaiah 55 we we could go back 3400 years ago when the Israelites were were rescued from slavery and the the joy that they had in being free 
Or we could even historically say that Isaiah 55 goes back 2,500 years ago when the Israelites were led out of exile in Babylon and and the joy that they experienced in in having freedom once again. But for our purposes in this moment, we're going to look at the picture of the joy that is yet to come, the unending joy that comes through a baby in a manger, the unending joy that's completely wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Most sports teams, high school, college, professional, they, they all have a way of entering the stadium, you know, of entering the arena. There's, there's music, there's cheering, there's, there's jumping around, there's all kinds of things that go on. And it's this exciting time. Everybody is, is pumped and excited. Here comes the team. Our, our team is coming out. Whoever your team is, if you've ever been at one of their games, you, you know that moment. It's exciting. And yet none of those teams and none of those stadiums and none of those moments can even remotely compare to the seconds, the moment when King Jesus returns and brings the kingdom prepared before the foundations of the world. In every sense of the most definite reality in the universe, that will be the most exciting seconds for any Christian. Whatever it is that we think excites us will not compare to that moment when Jesus returns to take us home. I love earlier when the choir was singing and, and Cherie got choked up. What I loved about it, and, and I, I followed her out in the hall, I was like, I want to make sure I got the, the, the line right. I think I knew what line you were about to say that she didn't get out. But I think I'm saying the, the line right. It says that, that Jesus will come and take us as we are. In other words, there, there is this moment that Jesus is going to come and take us. And friend, more than your politician, more than your team, more than a holiday, that will be the most exciting seconds in the life of a believer. There is no comparison. And likewise, for someone who is not a believer, those will be the most terrifying seconds. So if you do not know Christ, don't Don't wait for those terrifying seconds to arrive. Turn to God today. Turn to Jesus today. Believe in Jesus. Yield to Jesus. Turn to him. Cling to him today. The invitation from the one true, most high sovereign God is that you can go out with joy in that moment. And, And what's the joy? Why is the joy so real? Well, the joy is so real because the joy is being saved, being rescued, being redeemed. The joy is all wrapped up in knowing that you can only die here. That death is only here. The the joy is in knowing Christ. The return of Jesus Christ, the experience that a, a believer will have, the happiness that we will experience is absolutely unexplainable. It's unexplainable. It goes beyond anything that we think or feel or imagine. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be thinking about it. You should, it should be in our minds that this is not our home, that our most exciting seconds are not here, but with Him and with forever. 
It'll be a moment filled with more excitement and more joy than, than any sports team can provide, than any holiday can provide, than any money can provide, than any promotion, family, friends, or anything else. There is absolutely no joy like the joy that is to be found in leaving this world with Jesus and being with Jesus. And so right now, as we step into a new year, if we are believers and followers of Jesus, that needs to be the affection, the biggest affection of our hearts, is that Jesus is coming again. Jesus, not long before he was arrested, said this to his disciples, John 16, therefore you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And no one is going to take your joy away from you. Look, the joy of your team can be taken away from you. The joy of a grade on a test can be taken away from you. The, the joy of a holiday, the joy of employment can be taken away from you. The joy of, of a nice home and a nice retirement can be taken away in the blink of an eye. But the joy that is found in knowing and trusting in and believing in Jesus Christ, that joy cannot be taken away. Why should we seek God? What should be our motivation to go after God? The motivation is this. We will go out with extreme, ecstatic, exciting, everlasting joy. And no one will take our joy away. There's more to motivate us. Listen to the next part of verse 12. For you will go out with joy and be led in peace. As with the word joy, the word peace here is, is complete. It's, it's complete peace of heart and mind and soul. It's this, this overwhelming peace. It's the ultimate shalom, so to speak. And, and what is this ultimate peace? Where does it come from? It, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, really, this, this is why people who aren't Christians go, y'all are crazy. But ultimate peace comes from and in and through and around and because of the baby in the manger. Jesus is the ultimate peace. Again, just before he was arrested, Jesus said this to his disciples, John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. It, it's going to happen. But take courage. I have overcome the world. It, it's hard for us to miss these words from Jesus. If you want peace, you will find peace in me. Not in your husband or your wife or your kids or your grandkids. Not in your job. Not in your team. Not in your reputation. Not in your finances. All of the peace that our hearts and our souls want the most, it can only be found in Jesus. Ultimate, everlasting peace can only be found in the manger, only found in Jesus. What's the greatest peace you can know? What's the greatest peace you can feel? What's the greatest peace that could possibly happen in your life? It's simply this, that you would have peace with God. That it's the greatest peace that any person could possibly know and have is peace with God. And where does that peace come from? Well, that peace comes from knowing Jesus. It comes through the work 
The birth, the life, the death, resurrection, the ascension, the promise, return, it all comes through Jesus. Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Rome, and in Romans 8, 1, he says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look, let me hurt all of our feelings. Your spouse is going to condemn you, and your parents are going to condemn you, and your kids are going to condemn you, and your boss is going to condemn you, and and your friends are going to condemn you. You know why? All of us are going to condemn each other at one time or another because we're all sinners, None of us are perfect. We're going to drop the ball. We may not even know we're condemning someone. But we're just so weak and so sinful, we'll condemn someone. But there is no condemnation in Jesus at all. None. And not just none today, none forever. There is no condemnation in Christ. That is peace. Listen, if your candidate win next year, Great, it won't bring you peace. If your team wins the bowl game, great, it won't bring you peace. If you get a promotion next year, great, it won't bring you peace. If your kids do everything right, it won't bring you peace. If your spouse does everything right, it won't bring you peace. Because ultimate peace is not designed to be found here. Ultimate peace is designed in and through Jesus. And then when we have the peace of Jesus, it is amazing how much we will not look for peace in this world. Not that we don't want peace for the world, but we understand that peace for the world comes from the ultimate peace, which is Jesus. He is the ultimate peace there is no peace other than him that gets to our soul to be saved to be secure with Christ Jesus it is the most intense and most radical degree of peace a person could possibly have and if that's true then why is it that so many of us as Christians seem like we don't have any peace maybe put another way why is it that it seems like so many Christians aren't really that that happy just, just overwhelmed and angry about everything happening in the world. Well, maybe it's because we have forgotten the things that we sing and the things that we read and the things that we say we believe, like we've forgotten that Jesus paid it all. Charles Spurgeon said this, when sin is pardoned, our greatest sorrow is ended and our truest pleasure begins. When we realize that that we have been pardoned from sin, that means our greatest sorrow is over and our truest pleasure is just beginning. So, dear Christian, that means that in any moment of your life, when it all feels like it's falling apart, if you can glue your mind to this truth, that you've been pardoned, that there is coming a moment where God the Son will turn to God the Father on your behalf and say, not guilty. That moment changes everything. In that moment, there is peace. Peace for now when it's all falling apart and peace forever when it's no longer falling apart. 1787, Samuel Stennett published a a song and, and it had the following words and it was about eternity with God and what it means to be in eternity with God. And, and the words he wrote all those years ago, they still have huge punch as we head into 2024. This is part of what he wrote. 
No chilling winds or poisonous breath can reach that healthful shore. Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. How many of you have been to a funeral in the last month? How many of you have been in the hospital or been in the hospital with someone else in the last month? Sickness and sorrow, pain and death are felt and feared no more. Only through Christ. He goes on, when I shall reach that happy place, I'll be forever blessed. For I shall see my father's face and in his bosom rest. How many of you had a day recently where you went, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it to that happy place. Man, when when is it? When's it coming? Because it sure ain't happening now. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but most of my days are not filled with moments of peace. Most of my days are are filled with conflict and trouble and trials and and tragedy and and all kinds of things. I I don't have lots and lots and lots of moments of of peace in my circumstances. I mean, I shared with you all at the Christmas Eve service that, you know, my mom was was in the ER. And so when Christmas Eve service over, I left and went to the ER and sat in the ER with my mom at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I drove home, changed clothes, uh, got back in the car, and they were transporting her to another hospital. So I, I went over to the other hospital, got up in the room. She wasn't there yet, so I sat down and got a really good 49-second nap. I mean, it was great. I was so excited. And, 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 you know, and then we spent Christmas Day and, and the day after Christmas in the hospital. I mean, that's, that, that's how it went, you know. And, and so there's not a lot of moments of peace, although I must confess, about halfway through the day on Christmas Day, I turned to Mom. I said, Mom, don't take this the wrong way. But, you know, this is one of the least stressful Christmas days I've ever had, you know. All I got to do is sit here and watch you and go to the cafeteria and eat. And I love a cafeteria. So I said, man, this is fine. This is, this is good. We have lots of moments, lots of circumstances where there's no peace. There's just not. But the promise that God offers is a promise of complete peace, of of satisfying peace. Peace that you will not find anywhere else. You know why? Because there's no one in your family and there's no one at this church and there's no one in Washington, D.C. that can promise you peace and guarantee it. They can't. They can't guarantee it. Only, only God can guarantee peace. Alfred Chomp is a PhD, has a PhD in, in chemical engineering, but, but he shared this about spiritual engineering. He said this, Before we were saved, this earth was a dark place, a place where big dogs eat little dogs, a place for the survival of the fittest. The drive to work was mean, and the drive home was even more terrible and exhausting. We came home into an atmosphere that was tense and there was a stack of mail, one calamity after another. But after I became saved, my outlook on life also changed. The drive to and from work was not so bad. Given the right radio station, I was singing hymns all the way. A mean boss at work did not make me nervous because I was working for my father who is in heaven. He thought he could get to me by lowering my annual raise in salary. That's okay. He will be held accountable by God, and I would not want to be in his shoes. And then he says this, As long as I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, all earthly problems fade by comparison. Now, I admit, that, that sounds very pie in the sky. Oh, yeah. You know, as long as I got Jesus, everything's all right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. 
There's a truth to that, that that when you come to Jesus Christ, everything changes. It doesn't get perfect and fluffy. It doesn't. But it changes. There is a joy and there is a peace in knowing Jesus Christ that can't be denied. It's, It's something real. It's complete. God gives Isaiah another picture of this change in his invitation. Listen to verse 12. The mountains and the hills will break into shouts of joy before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I, I picture this as like a, you know, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia kind of thing, you know, where, where the trees kind of came alive in one of the battle scenes there. And, and, and the trees are, are like, like going to be like people like clapping, you know, and the mountains are, are going to be singing. And, and why? Why would they do that? Well, because the time has arrived. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, Paul says this, For the eagerly awaiting creation waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Why should you seek the Lord? What should motivate you to seek the Lord? You should be motivated that all of creation is eagerly waiting for the sons and daughters of God, the followers of Jesus, to receive the kingdom prepared for them before the foundations of the world. Dear Christian, in a sense, the trees are going to clap for us and the mountains are going to sing for us when we join with Jesus forever. That day's coming, but it hadn't come yet. So what do we do? Well, we got to, put a little elbow grease into our faith. We, we have to strain a little harder past whatever the news of the day is, whatever the circumstances of the day are. We, we have to strain a little bit to say, I, I think I can faintly hear the clapping. I, I, think, I think I can hear the mountain singing. In other words, what we have to do is we have to fight through sin and difficulty in this life and we have to learn how to set our hearts and our minds on that place that shore far away where death and sickness we will feel and fear no more there's more to look forward to verse 13 Instead of the thorn bush, the juniper, the juniper will come up. And instead of the stinging nettle, the myrtle will come up. How many of you are already taking your Christmas tree down? Oh, bless you. Yeah, that's good. How many of you still have yours up? How many of you will still have yours up in a month? Yeah, look at you. Impressive. How many of you will keep yours up all year long? Come on now. Stacy, you raise your hand. I know it. Here's the thing. There's coming a day where some new trees are going to come up. And they're going to come up because the ground will no longer be thorny. And the curse of the garden is going to be reversed. We sang about it at the very beginning of the service. Isaac Watts put it this way. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Jesus is coming again to reverse the curse as far as the curse is found. And how far is the curse found? It's found everywhere. 
everywhere. There's no corner of your life that the curse is not found. There's no corner of South Carolina that the curse is not found. There's no corner of the globe of the universe where the curse is not found. But Jesus is coming to make sure that his blessings flow instead of the curse. Deeply and magnificently, his blessings are going to flow instead of the curse. That means no more sin, No more rebellion, no more terrorism, no more poverty, no more cancer, no more death, no more enemy. That's what Jesus is is coming to do. He is coming to make his blessings flow. And and how is any of that possible? How is it possible that that Jesus is going to cancel out the curse of sin once and for all? Well, mostly because he's already done it. This is how Peter said it, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And he himself brought our sins and his body up on the cross. This is the, the new NSAB translation, I love it. He, he took our sins, in his, brought them up in his body, and he took them up on the cross. With thorns on his brow, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the baby in the manger, bore my sin and bore your sin. Jesus bore our own sin in his own body on the cross. You see, without the cross, there is still condemnation. Without the cross, the trees are never going to clap. Without the cross, the mountains are never going to sing. Without the cross, there is no joy. There is no peace. Christmas is as good as it gets. But with the cross, with the one tree that was lifted up, in that tree, in that cross, everything changes. Everything Listen to the last part of verse 13. And it will be a memorial to the Lord, an everlasting sign which will not be eliminated. Poor God, he doesn't understand how memorials work, right? Memorials are supposed to be bronze plaques, you know, with someone's name on it. Memorials are you know, supposed to be these fancy statues or, or, you know, a nice piece of concrete with some exquisite etching on it. A feeding trough in a stable? That's, that's not a memorial. A, a, a tree where people are, are executed? That, that's, that's not a memorial. But you know, God's ways are, are not our ways. And that's why the, the manger and the cross and the empty tomb, those are God's memorials. Those are God's everlasting reminders that Jesus Christ will never divorce his bride that's not a small thing to look at the manger to look at the cross to look at the empty tomb is to be reminded that if you are in Christ you will never be divorced from the bride he will take you as you are because he has rescued you as you are Everlasting reminders are the kind of reminders that don't go away, right? 
And so the manger and the empty tomb and the cross, these, these are everlasting reminders. There's only one King of kings. There's only one Lord of lords. There's only King Jesus, and only King Jesus can bring your heart the peace and the hope and the love and the joy that it needs the most. In fact, only through Jesus can you have the happiness that your soul longs for the most. And maybe put it more simply, Jesus just makes all things right. He just sets things right. So has Jesus set things right for you? Are things right between you and God? If not, then we would plead with you, come to Jesus now. Come and and be saved. Come and be satisfied. Come and be sure. Come and be near to God. Come and be happy. Because the happiness that your heart wants the most only comes through Jesus. The motivation in the invitation is that only Jesus can set your heart free. Only Jesus can bring you happiness that goes beyond human understanding. Only in Jesus can a person's heart and mind and soul have peace and happiness that cannot be eliminated. Ultimately, this invitation that we have in Isaiah 55 is not just a Christmas invitation. It's an invitation to come home. Scott Grant uses the, the picture of, of the garden to help us see that. He says this, the garden is our home. We left it long ago because we didn't want anything to do with the one who resided there, God. We've been away a long time. Our memories are faint. We're not sure what home is anymore, where it is or how to find our way back there. Every so often, though, we hear music that reminds us of home and desire surges within us. God, the ageless musician, keeps playing the songs of the garden, hoping that we will hear them and return to him. And then he says this, do you hear the music? Follow it home. Follow it home. The motivation in the invitation is this, you are invited. Listen to the music and follow it home.